0: Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, El Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2017. It's about the time that I met the folks at Brand Innovators, Mark Sternberg, and also Ted Rubin. I'd fill in for an officer who was unable to keynote on the concourse there at AT&T. That's where I was able to, for the first time, unravel all the work that my teams had done in diversity and inclusion in corporate communications and integrated marketing. That resulted in me actually speaking in eight different places on behalf of brand innovators that year alone. Somewhere in there, somewhere between South by Southwest and Wonderman in New York, Ted Rubin reached out to me and introduced me to someone named Ian Truescott. Ian is the editor in chief of a blog that's very popular in the marketing industry called Rockstar CMO, Ian wanted me to contribute by participating in an interview. But the title alone of the blog concerned me. There I was, a director at this Fortune 9, and it was called Rockstar CMO. Well, I currently was not a CMO. I've technically never worn the title. I did it for my own agency, that's for sure. But it seemed like I was stepping out of line. So I punted, I sent the opportunity to our C-level executive, no response. I did that a couple more times, no response. I tried to maintain a relationship with Ian even though he kept asking me and at some point the opportunity seemed right. It wouldn't be long before I'd left AT&T and the topic that he wanted me to speak on didn't overlap, so why not? And he explained to me that everyone on the blog was not necessarily a CMO, but they had CMO leadership qualities. I could deal with that. So I responded. He interviewed me, and the first article went up. It would be the first of a few, and I have a lot to be grateful for because around that time is when I had launched the Culture Soup podcast. And it made sense to go ahead and maintain this relationship because I was circulating among some really great thought leaders, but it also was a way to expand my audience into the UK. And you hear me talk about the rankings in the United States, but you may not know that consistently the Culture Soup podcast is ranked very highly in the UK Or should we say Great Britain now? You hear me talk about the rankings in the United States for the podcast, but I rarely talk about the rankings in Great Britain. The Culture Soup podcast is consistently in the top 200 in the UK, or should I say Great Britain. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my friend, Ian Truscott, editor of Rockstar CMO. so excited that I have my friend from all the way across the pond, Ian Truscott, the editor-in-chief of Rockstar CMO. How are you, Ian? Thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, You're very welcome. I'm very good. Thank you very much, Michelle. Yeah, you know, we had to do
0: a little acrobatics to get our (laughs) time to sync up. You're awake, I'm awake. What time is it there? Uh, It's just after 3, 3 p.m. Just after 3. Okay, so we're in that, that sweet spot there. It's just we after nine o'clock here. So Ian, mm-hmm. you know what? let's not waste any time. How about we have a culture? <laughs> let's do that. Awesome. Okay. So I remember back in what 2007 when Twitter first came online. I think we heard about it first at South by Southwest. We started to see more people online that were technology geeks, let's just say, Mm -hmm. Um, folks that were really, really into technology, and folks that were actually in marketing and public relations that got on first. So you saw people like Guy Kawasaki and Snowden and all of these people show up online, and I joined about 2008. When did you join
1: I was a little behind you. I think it was 2009, and quite interestingly, a PR agency actually set up my Twitter account. That's um, right.
0: They yeah, had some foresight yeah. too. They yeah, actually, they did. They did. Yeah, you know, and the PR people got it. Nobody really understood what this Twitter thing was because, it, it, yeah. if you recall, it said, "What are you doing now?" And that's what you had <laughs> yeah. to fill in. <laughs> yeah. But boy, yeah. has it evolved! And I, I, I mentioned that because. Uh, social and digital has changed so much of the way we do marketing don't you agree Mm
1: -hmm. oh absolutely and I also think our relationship with Twitter has changed a huge amount as well I mean in the early days you had a much smaller group of people that you were addressing and and real sort of communities were formed whereas I think now Twitter is more of a broadcast medium and you really have to work at creating relationships I think with Twitter and you know it takes more time well, that seems to be the way it's gone. And I think it's part of that is because at the beginning, we only sort of followed, you know, 120, 150, 200 people. And and you can, you know, there's a law about that, isn't there? How many people you can form relationships with. And I think as 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 our own presence on Twitter has grown, and you're now following thousands of people, I think that there's something in that. And But also the way that people are using Twitter, it is much more of a broadcast media than it than it used to be at the beginning.
0: Right. You know, it was interesting because I literally interacted with Seth, and I interacted with Guy Kawasaki, but I remember when it all changed. Do you remember when Ashton Kutcher decided that he would challenge CNN to race to a million followers? Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And And that's when Oprah joined. (laughs) Everything changed because all of these consumers and celebrities show up on Twitter, and the nature of it really did change. You know, I mentioned Seth because... A lot of the CMOs today are really considering what's changing about marketing, and the mm-hmm. and the um, the nature of it, and so much of it is being impacted by the internet and digital. You agree? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think and social is part of that, isn't it? That instant access to people uh, straight away, and the ability for people to share their feedback so straight straight away and anonymously, I think is 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 a different way that consumers are now engaging with brands.
0: There was this article that you wrote over the holiday. God bless you. Seth was working y'all, but we were all taking a break. He was pulling together the, what, insights from five CMOs of yeah. what the new decade is going to be like for us in marketing. And what did you hear from them?
1: Yeah, well, um, that's interesting, uh, Michelle, because I'm hoping you're going to be the fifth. So there's actually four <laughs> in the article. Um, oh, no, too uh, much eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Um, uh, well, uh, you know, as, as editor of Rockstar CML, I'm really um, grateful for, my, for, the, for the contributors. And we have, some, we have some great people who come and write for us and, and share with us our thoughts. And every month I have an have a article called The Green Room. Mm -hmm. where I go back to various contributors and CMOs and ask them, you know, about the topic of the day. And, of course, we've come to the end of a decade, come to the end of a year, you know, what's the first thing you're going to ask? You're going to ask them for their predictions. And I think an interesting set of results. And, in fact, Mm -hmm. if you look at the whole issue, um, some people went a little longer than, than the Green Room article itself, so I spun that out to individual articles. So if you look at the whole issue, you'll see lots of predictions about what we're going to do in B2B and all over the place. But the article that you referred to there um, was fantastic. I mean, for example, Robert Rose, who I'm a huge fan of. I mean, he's the for me, yeah. he's, he's my content marketing guru, you know, so I always go to him. And whenever something pops into my inbox, it's a joy. And, and in this issue in the Green Room, he's talking about belief, he thinks that, uh, and, and Ted Rubin said a very similar thing as well in, in an article in the same issue, is that we've sort of moved to a point where there's a we're losing trust and belief in what we read and what we yeah. see. I mean, Ted talks about the politics of the way that's shaped that, and I think that's been the same, you know, both sides of the Atlantic.
0: Well, and you know what? I'd love to chime in there because when I'm talking about leadership, whether it's for yes. individuals or brands, authenticity con- continues Absolutely. to show up, and you can't really believe or trust if you don't think it's real. And I typically will say, in a world of fakery, because we've got a lot of it, yeah, people yeah. are just looking for someone to be real.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's also back to your point about social media. I think that it's much harder for us to hide things as marketers or to or to blow stuff up because if you explain if you talk about an experience with your product and brand and the consumer doesn't see that, they will soon share that with their friends and over the internet and, and you know, you'll be found out. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also, um, I don't know if you saw, we, we had a, a great uh, Q&A with uh, Kate Bradley-Chernis. Uh, at, we have this regular backstage issue as well. She's the CMO of a company called Lately. They're, they're really on the cutting edge of social media, as we were just discussing. And she talks about voice. And the interesting thing she talks about voice is she talks about enunciation. The fact that we're all going to need to learn how to talk to these computers. And she's got some really funny examples. Interesting. About I need to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. Well, she she uh, she uh, has a, has a real need she's, um, t- to use voice because she can't type all the time. And so she's really using this technology and uh, and she's had some funny results. And, it, it, and that that part of the article is good. And as I was saying about Ted, I mean, Ted's always a great contributor. to. Rock
0: Shout rock. out to Ted, because he's yes. the reason why we even know each
1: other, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, I describe him as our resident rock star, and his, yes. he gives me straight talking every single issue. And this time, he, what he was talking about, not just about um, authenticity, but he also talks about we've got to move from targeting to matchmaking. You mm. can't just sort of blast your consumers anymore. You need to figure out what it is that they need. And, and really match that to that. And the nice thing about the story that Ted tells, he actually tells it in the way that he presents his own business, about how he, how he brings on new clients. And that's an interesting story as well. Um, and then the fourth, um, and before I get your contribution, um, <laughs> is uh, Christine Bailey. Um, and she talks about being ethical and local Um, and, and again, back to that authenticity, and I'm seeing that a lot from our contributors is a lot talk about authenticity. And in fact, a few issues ago, we actually did a whole issue about authenticity. And I think that's, that's a key thing for 2020. what I'm I'm hearing around, not just our Rockstar CMO community, but in the broader web as well. Right,
0: right. That's all good stuff. I can't wait to dig in. Can you tell everybody where to find it online? Sure.
1: Sure. It's uh, rockstarcmo.com. Uh, Well, you can follow us on at Rockstar CMO and we're also on LinkedIn.
0: Excellent. And, you know, if I were to add to that cadre of of wonderful insights, I would say more and more we're going to still see brands falter when it comes to not getting cultural uh, nuances correct. And part of that is because we're not seeing that commitment in the marketing suite diversifying and also being inclusive what we're seeing is the hr department really bolstering their department and getting that cdo the chief diversity officer they're getting more diversity staff but the two aren't working together and hopefully somewhere in this decade someone will get it will start to work together and they'll start to feed that marketing pipeline so that you won't have more junior folks who are diverse yeah. that don't stay there yeah. and rise through the ranks.
1: Yeah. So well, we I mean,
0: they'll have uh, a department that's not diverse.
1: Well, I, I think we need to break out the departments. I mean, this now needs to be part of marketing. We, we need to think broader than just the people that are in the room that we're, we're selling to. Um, uh, we, we also i mean i, I don 't want to keep plugging different issues of Rockstar Cmo, but we did a whole issue on diversity and i got some I did some really interesting interviews and found out some things from 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 various marketers about the importance of diversity and inclusion I think you 're right in terms of you know that fifth prediction for, 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 for this for this issue is is absolutely um, being... Uh, being, and that 's also about uh, honesty and authenticity as well as because well, I think absolutely. that it's the same with um where where people try and join causes if you don't do these things very intentionally and
0: authentically people will see through that right right well and the other thing there's two other things that that dovetail with that if we aren't really looking at the intersectionality of people meaning we can't just stop at women and think we've covered it (laughs) yeah Just excluded everybody else that checks other boxes, especially women of color. But then you've got LGBTQ, you've got accessibility, you've got everything that's happening and it's just being ignored. It will come off as tone deaf. There's that. Plus, we got to be in with the COO and the CFO because what we're finding is there isn't a monetary commitment ongoing to these efforts. And when you start to look at oh gee what's the priority you look at that thing that brings in money and if that yeah. diversity hr department isn't making the case that this is actually a revenue builder it would continue to be the first thing that gets slashed
1: yeah yeah and, and um I, you know if i point you back to the issue that we did about diversity was there's so much data that actually it just makes great business sense. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, it, it's it's not about just trying to be social, doing the right thing socially. It's actually doing the right thing for your business as well. And I think we, you know, I, I work predominantly in B two B, and everywhere you go, um, you know, having that broad-minded, diverse attitude towards what you're saying and what you're doing works everywhere.
0: It does, it does, but we're not seeing that consistently in the marketing department, where people are actually able to make the case that this put money in the coffers. And so we see teams show up for two or three years and then they disappear two or three years later. And that's the hard and honest truth. Right, And you,
1: well you, you have way more experience of that than I do. <laughs> I, but and just as I mean, I'm just the editor of, uh, of of the magazine. But some of the some of the some of the um, some of the input that I got when we did the diversity issue was just fantastic. And actually, I highlight it as one of my my highlights of 2019 was that whole issue.
0: Yeah, I'm actually glad to see that there is a heightened awareness and that it is a dialogue that's happening at that level in the C-suite. Now we need to actually put some action behind the words and not just fluff. So Absolutely. I'm glad to see it moving in that direction. It'll take a little time, but maybe by the end of this next decade, we'll be a little bit more evolved in our way of addressing culture. Well, we 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 ought to by now. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what, we probably owe it to the people to let them know how we got to know each other and tell the story of how you even started Rockstar CMO. So, you know, we mentioned Ted Rubin. At the time, Ted Rubin was with Brand Innovators. And Brand Innovators, that year, had me speaking all over the country. I think I spoke for them probably eight times. And during that time between, um, you know, um, appearances in Dallas, New York, South by Southwest, you name it, Ted and I became friends. And he is a great connector. And yeah. one thing that Ted will do, if you know Ted, he will start to reach into his network and connect yeah. people. Yeah, and he connected us. He did, and
1: he did that because um, I'd actually started reading some of your stuff and, and seeing what you were talking about on LinkedIn. I found it really interesting, and I just hit up Ted. I said, "Hey, you seem to know this girl. Let's. I'd love to get. <laughs> I'd love to get backstage uh, and and learn a little bit about um, what what motivates you and what drives you." And you you had a you know, you, you were in your corporate role at that time, and I think. Yes. You've, you've been able to spend a bit more time together since you finished that. So that, that was, that was how that happened. And that's exactly really, and that dovetails nicely into my motivation for Rockstar CMO is that, um, you know, there's a, there's a million marketing blogs out there, right? But maybe a billion. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I think it's, it, it would be easy to say, oh everything's been said and and why, why would you create a, a marketing blog? But, and why would you try and compete with those things? And we don't try and compete. What I like is I like this sort of different, different points of view. This right. talking that we get. We do things slightly differently. I don't do listicles. I don't chase um, eyeballs. I don't go for the for the um, for the flashy titles and stuff like that. I, I really just, I just, we publish once a month. We publish about ten to twelve. We publish about ten to twelve, um, 10 to 12 um, articles a month. We just do that once a month. We send a newsletter along with it. And, it, and it's just its just a nice collection of articles, I think, that you, perhaps you won't read in other places.
0: Right. I like it because you try to dig a little bit deeper than some of the articles that I see on marketing that are pretty surfaced. And, you know, it's the topic that's trending. Yeah. But then you try to say, well, okay, well, what's, what's wrong with this? You know, what's the contrarian view? And you're not afraid of that.
1: No, absolutely. And the the other I mean, we get some people that want to write for us and they just send us the normal sort of robot copy of, Mm -hmm. you know, the the latest trend or how to do SEO and all that kind of thing. That's covered everywhere else, right? Right. But if if you want an actual marketer's opinion about a topic, then that's what we try and that's what we try and provide. And that was really our motivation at the beginning was really about also inspiring other younger marketers or people from different communities, you know, different kinds of marketers to myself. And, and just try and bring, bring a whole bunch of different people together and get their opinion and, right. and perhaps inspire people, which, was, which, is, which is our intention. So how
0: long have you been doing this, Ian?
1: Um, We're coming up for two years. I think the last issue was our 22nd issue, which is- Awesome, uh,
0: congratulations. Yeah,
1: we've learned a lot. And I think the important thing that we've learned, which I think you and I have talked about previously, is I think a lot of people go into these things and all they think about is the content, getting their content, getting their words out there. The important thing- and especially, it take this takes a lot of time because you're building a community. You know, you're building a group of people that start to talk to each other um, and, and start to collaborate with uh, with each other, and they're connected by content. The purpose always should be about building community, not building yes. not building a big store of content. Everybody's got one of those, right? But building community is much harder.
0: Right. You know what, I really appreciate you, Ian. I have to thank you, first of all, because you did seek me out and include me and um, another place for my voice to be heard. So that does not fall lightly on me. I do appreciate you. And I appreciate all of the work that you're doing with Rockstar CMO. I hope all of my listeners across the country, around the globe, will go check out Rockstar CMO. Can you tell us what we can look forward to in the next year? um
1: in the next year oh my god i just generally work from issue to issue there you go stress. yeah in the next issue i mean we've spent 24 22 um, uh, issues talking about various various um, topics we're actually going to talk about the product and what marketing's role is in the actual product so it's a, a bit of a shifting gear start to talk about the product so i'm going to hit up my uh my rock stars and, and see what they've got to say about their role in developing the products, how we move the products forward. But
0: Fantastic. Time, I promise you I won't drink too much eggnog and miss the deadline. <laughs> 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 Seriously, y'all, that's not what happened. It's just... <laughs> anyway, but yeah, thanks for including me and whatever I can do to support. I'm glad to have you on this platform, and so more you. people can go and, and, and read your great content and be a part of this great community. Thank you very much, Michelle, and it's been a joy to share your voice. What an awesome conversation with Ian Truscott, all the way from Great Britain. Thanks for coming on. What a great conversation. Listen, lots coming up on the leadership front. Coaching. We've got group coaching coming up. It's going to kick off February 6th. If you're interested in being a part of that, I'm going to take up to 15 people in this group, and you'll have four sessions a month. 50-minute uh, sessions, that is. And if you're a boss, entrepreneur, if you are in corporate in the workplace, or if you're in transition, we've got a group for you. So go to elmichelsmith.com/coaching and get your information. If you'd like to just join, go ahead and drop me a note at coaching@elmichelsmith.com. At Our Coaching Corner episode is live on LinkedIn beginning next week, Tuesday. The holiday, fresh new content. We're bringing on Jalen Bledsoe, the 21-year-old multimillionaire who made his first million at 15. We're going to talk about scaling your business by infusing capital through your client revenue and getting more clients fast. That's at 4 p.m. Central on LinkedIn Live, and then later right here, wherever you get your podcast streamed. Then next week, Thursday, I'll have author Minda Harts author of The Memo. You don't want to miss it. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications. L-L-C.